0: This is Josh with Star Wars Galore, and I have just finished The Rise of Skywalker Novelization. I'm gonna first start off with some non-spoiler thoughts, in case you haven't read the book yet. This will be a very brief section. My initial reaction after reading the book was a very positive one. I had some I had some problems with the movie, of course. Wasn't crazy about, uh, about the Ray Palpatine and uh, th- this novel doesn't fix a lot of those issues, but it makes me feel better about, about them. The explanations given are as good as they're going to get. And I don't mean that to be a, a negative. I, I think it's a positive. The Ray Palpatine thing is something that I've, <laughs> that I've had to come to terms with, and, you know, it is what it is. I'm still not that crazy about that. I'm not crazy about Palpatine's return in general, even after this uh, this novelization. But some of the explanations that Ray Carson gives does improve some of those things in my mind. And that's all you can ask for. I mean, this book couldn't take Palpatine out of the, the story completely, of course. This is an adaptation of the movie. So that's something you gotta remember. So if you're like me and you... Weren't crazy about some uh, some story decisions, story decisions in the Rise of Skywalker. I mean, this book isn't going to isn't going to fix it. There's no way to make all these problems go away in my mind. And I know some people love it. So when I say problems, I say <laughs> I mean it in my mind. So so don't get me the wrong way, but. I am 100% satisfied with the, uh, with the answers that we got. Another thing that this novel does really well is fix the pacing issues. So the first time I saw the movie, I felt like it was going like 200 miles an hour. It was 0 to 60 immediately. It took off. It didn't stop. Now, the second time I saw it, I was more prepared for it, and it didn't feel as rushed. Well, this, the novelization really slows things down. You spend more time on each planet. The the pacing, it did not feel rushed at all. But you you got a two-hour movie versus, you know, a 20-page, not (laughs) 20-page a 20-chapter uh, a novel. So, you know, that there's just more time to flesh things out. And uh, one last thing I want to add in the spoiler section, or the non-spoiler section, is Leia. She was... She had a lot of great scenes in this story that weren't included in the movie. And really, that was... It had nothing to do with any story decisions. That, uh, that J.J. did or, you know, whoever else wrote the, the screenplay. But it was stuff out of their control. You know, they were very limited with what they could do with Carrie Fisher. Ray Carson didn't have that problem. So she adds a lot of great scenes with Leia. Leia and Ray have some awesome scenes. And uh, you even get Luke talking to Leia some. I'm not going to get into everything that he says to her in the non-spoiler section. But Carson does a really great job of expanding Leia's role and making everything make more sense. That's what this novel does very well. While it doesn't fix a lot of the issues I have with the story, it elaborates, gives more answers, more details. You get thoughts of characters, and that all makes what you see play out on the big screen make more sense. It just gives more context to everything, and it makes the story, in general, make more sense. So if you loved The Rise of Skywalker, this novel is, I mean, you're going to like the novel. It follows the story very well. It just adds some things here and there. Adds more details. There's no reason why you wouldn't like it. If you hated The Rise of Skywalker, this isn't going to fix all the problems. To begin the spoiler section, I want to talk about Palpatine. So the novelization confirms that the body that we see Palpatine in, in The Rise of Skywalker, is actually a clone body. So he transferred his life essence from his real body mid-fall, after Vader tossed him over the, the edge of the Death Star... And he transfers that into a clone body that, that he had made after he sensed a flicker of light in Vader. So this was kind of like a contingency plan in case Vader turned on him. But the body wasn't quite ready for him. And this is my favorite part about the Palpatine clone body is that it's imperfect. It's uh, it's imperfect. The body itself is not a perfect vessel. Kylo even notes in this story how how Palpatine's appearance is worsening. He says that uh, even from the first interaction to their second interaction, Palpatine looked paler. So what this means is that uh, the events of the Rise of Skywalker is really a race against time. Because Palpatine's clone body was not quite ready for him, it cannot contain that evil spirit. It is literally rotting away as a result of Palpatine's evil soul. This point is not really clear in the movie, and I think that making this point more clear would have made the movie a lot better. It makes a lot more sense, given this context. Even Palpatine's son has a clone, meaning that there was no Mrs. Palpatine. And the novel confirms that this son was not an exact clone. His son could not use the Force, so this explains why, uh, why Palpatine didn't just use him. So, the uh, Palpatine and his cloners just sent the guy out in the real world, hoped he had a powerful enough grandchild... Well, I guess he hoped that his son had a powerful enough child to contain his evil spirit, and I guess it worked because Rey was eventually born, and uh, this explains exactly why Palpatine wanted Rey so badly. I don't know that this that last part about uh, Palpatine's son just seems very convoluted and uh, and very goofy, but yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? I think that I do still prefer this explanation to there being a Mrs. Palpatine existing somewhere in the galaxy. I mean, I'm not crazy about Palpatine's inclusion, period, but I feel like that these explanations are satisfying t- enough for me. They are, uh, they're interesting. I think they're, uh, they're a little different. You know, there's nothing that Ray Carson could have done to make me like the Palpatine inclusion itself, more. I think, uh, given given the circumstances, she she did the best that she could. In my opinion, I know that there's uh, there's some people who like the Palpatine inclusion, and there, there's nothing wrong with that. But for the most part, I do like the way that uh, that she handled it. As I said before, in the uh, the non spoiler section, Carson doesn't make anything worse here. She didn't improve it. Improved the Palpatine stuff as much as I hoped. But then again, there's only so much you can do with it if you don't like the Palpatine inclusion already. So, yeah, I was happy with, uh, with how she handled Palpatine. While I'm mixed on Palpatine, everything else about this novel 100% worked for me. Including the dyad. So the movie throws around this word, dyad. But it's not really explained a whole lot. The novel provides a little more info on it, but it still doesn't elaborate as much as I hoped. But what we got was fine. From what I understand, a dyad is a super rare and super powerful bond in the Force. We don't really get an explanation on how or why it occurs, but we do know that it's very powerful. And we know that it's really awesome. The novel actually compares the Dyad bond to the Rule of Two, the Master and Apprentice relationship of the Sith. But it's noted that the Rule of Two is a cheap imitation of the Dyad. And another important detail that this novel adds is that when Palpatine sucks the life force from Ray and Ben... The power that he receives is from the dyad. So when Palpatine shoots his supercharged force lightning into the air that grounds all of the, uh, all the Resistance fleet ships, it's actually the power of the dyad granting him that. And I, I think that that is really, really cool. It's a great detail, that I'm glad that the novel adds in. When we see Palpatine suck the life in essence from Ray and Ben, we see him start to look more complete after doing so. And we see of course I've talked about it before, we see that uh, the super powerful super powerful lightning. We <laughs> something I think is funny is that he, Palpatine somehow changes clothes in the movie. So his, he's wearing an all black cloak. When he gets that super powerful lightning or when when he gets the the super powerful uh dyad essence I guess is what I'll call it, you see his eyes change color, you see his fingers his body become more whole, but he also gets a gets a new red gown I don't know I think that's funny the novel doesn't really uh expand on that anymore, but yeah but anyway. The movie itself isn't clear that the reason that he gets this supercharged power is from the dyad itself. I don't know, maybe I'm stupid, but I never got, got that the dyad itself is what made him so powerful in that moment. I also enjoy the contrast between Palpatine and then Ray and Ben. So I've talked about before how Palpatine sucks the life essence is from Ray and Ben, and he gains the power of their dyad. He is taking from others to power himself. While we see Ray and Ben give some of their life energy, their life essence, to other beings. So we see Ray do it to the uh, the creature on on Pisana, and then we see her do it again when she heals Ben on uh, the Death Star Ruins. And then, of course, we see Ben give all of his life essence to Rey so she can live. And then Palpatine is taking life essence. So this really shows the difference between the Jedi and the Sith. When Palpatine takes the power of the Dyad, it's a self selfish act. The Sith are selfish While on the other hand, you take a look at what Rey and Ben do, you see that this is a selfless act. They are giving up part of themselves to benefit others. So Jedi are selfless. Sith are selfish. And I I really like how the the movie and the novel handled this. This was something... uh, this contrast was made more clear to me in the uh, in the novelization for whatever reason. Another thing that the movie doesn't really explain is who was made of the the Sith fleet. So we know that Palpatine and his followers started constructing this fleet after uh, return of the Jedi. but we don't know exactly like where all the officers and stuff come from. This isn't really needed in the in the movie. Like, you can still understand that this is something that Palpatine has worked on, but it's just a cool detail that I'm glad was added in the novel. So, we figure out that the Sith fleet is made of people that were raised on Exegol, people from the Unknown Regions, and also children of the Empire, meaning uh, people whose parents were part of uh, of the Empire. And another really cool detail that I loved was that the, the Sith Troopers were actually stolen from the First Order Stormtroopers. <laughs> if they saw someone promising, they, they got a hold of them and added them to the, to the Sith Troopers. I thought that was a, a fun little detail. And again, this stuff really wasn't needed to understand the movie. But uh, I am glad that Ray Carson decided to give us this, uh, this explanation in the novel. The novel just has more time to slow down a little bit and explain explain more things in detail. I was hoping to get more of Redeemed Ben in the novel, but the things that we do get from him, from uh, Ray Carson, are still great. I tweeted this out the other day, but Ray Carson absolutely nailed the Han and Ben scene. I don't know how she did this, but she figured out a way to make me love that scene even more. That scene is by far my favorite of the entire sequel trilogy. I didn't think it was possible for me to love it anymore, but dang it, Ray Carson, you figured out a way to make me love it even more. While we didn't get a whole lot uh, lot more of redeemed Ben, we do get uh, an extra scene of Kylo Ren confronting Chewbacca, After uh, Chewie gets uh, gets captured on Pisana, that scene was really cool. There was also a scene added of Lando on the Falcon, and he's uh, it's right before they leave to gather everyone for the uh, the big Resistance fleet at the end. He's just kind of walking around the Falcon, reminiscing, and he uh, he goes into Chewie's quarters. And we uh, we find out that this was his old cape room, which, of course, is a nice connection to Solo. But anyway, he finds a little hollow, which is basically a, a Star Wars picture that Chewie keeps of himself and of Ben and all oh, that. <laughs> that broke my heart. Knowing that Chewie keeps this picture of himself and thinking about... Uh, about him having to uh, to shoot Ben on Starkiller Base, and then when you go back and look, even at uh, at Kylo Ren and uh, Chewie's scene on the in uh, the Rise of Skywalker novel that was added, it it just makes it all a lot more just more sad. Is what I'm trying to say. I love that this detail was added to the novel. But ah, oh, dang it! I wish it would have uh, would have been in the movie too. Ben and Ray's connection in this uh, in the novel is just as great as it is in the movie. Of course, one of my favorite duels in the sequel trilogy is the Force Bond duel, where Ray is in Kahlo's collection room, and Kahlo is down on Kajimi, and they're fighting each other. Through the force, basically. And you see all those objects being transferred through the force. Like you see the, the berries in the market explode into, into the room where Ray is. And then, of course, you see Vader's helmet fall on Kijimi. And that's where Kylo figures out she is. This novel does the duel justice. It, it just adds, just makes it a little bit better. Another great detail that the novel talks about is uh, what Ben is thinking when he sees Rey dead after she gives all that, basically all that she has to defeat Palpatine. The novel says that he gives his life for Rey because he feels like the galaxy needs her more than it needs him, and that, that's just so heartbreaking. Getting a glimpse into his mind through all of that was just really great. I hate the, that uh, Ben had to die, but knowing that he died with purpose and fulfillment makes it a little bit easier to accept. The novel makes that a little bit more clear than the movie does, again, because it's hard the movie, it's hard to, uh, to know exactly what's in the character's mind in the movie, but the novel can explain more. And another thing that this uh, that this novel adds is Ben's really sad story he adds uh, Carson adds a lot of details of of Ben thinking about how Snoke trained him to blame himself for everything bad that happens, so he immediately sees Ray dead, and his first thought is, "Oh no, this is my fault. If she were still here, she would blame me for it. She would be mad at me." But then he realizes that that's not who Ray is. And that that's Snoke thinking. He realizes that Ray would never blame him for all that. And it's just so sad that that's the first place that, that this guy's mind goes to. Is that this is my fault. He isn't used to receiving compassion and understanding. Rey gives him that compassion. She shows him that understanding. Their bond helps him move past all those bad thoughts that Snoke puts into his head. And of course, we also get that from Leia when she reaches out to save him. And we get that from Han in The Force Awakens. And of course, he Ben really truly understands... What Han was trying to to say to him, trying to do to him in that scene in The Rise of Skywalker where uh, where Ben is talking to a memory of Han. So all three of those characters give Ben that compassion that he needs and that he deserves. Even though we didn't get more Ben... um, I'm thrilled with what we did get. Ben and Kylo Ren is by far my favorite character of the, the Disney era era period. Leia got a much bigger role in the Rise of Skywalker novel. And this is, uh, this is no fault of J.J. J. Abrams. You know, Carrie Fisher passed away. He only had so much footage to work with. But luckily, Ray Carson was not tied to that unused footage. Something not really elaborated on much in The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker movies was just how much Leia was affected by being sucked out into space. I feel like finding a way to work that into the movie would have made, it, would have made the movie better. It would have made Leia's death make a little bit more sense. But, again, J.J. was tied with what he could, uh, with what he could use. So we have these really great scenes between Leia and Luke. She uh, she keeps hearing Luke's voice. He keeps trying to tell her, it's time for you to rest. After you reach out to Ben, it's time for you to rest. And she keeps fighting him. You know, he starts talking to her and she's, she's like, oh, not now, Luke. I love those scenes. But Leia's just so selfless. She thinks that the Resistance still needs her, and that's what's keeping her around. But eventually she does, of course, realize that the leadership is in place. Poe and Finn are ready to lead. And Ben needs her. And the novel is clear that reaching out to Ben would take every single thing that she had, They're just they're great scenes, every bit of it, in this uh, in this novel. And Ray and Leia's relationship is also a bit more fleshed out. The bond between Ray and Leia is just further strengthened by this novel. And I love uh, Jedi Leia. I know that it might conflict a little bit with uh, some of the the canon. But I think that there's a way to explain that away. I just, I love Jedi Leia. I do. I'm glad that, uh, that JJ made the decision to uh, to make Leia a Jedi. And really it makes sense with the end of Return of the Jedi too. Because Yoda tells Luke to pass on what he has learned. And of course, Yoda's talking about passing that on to Leia. So, glad to, uh, to get the Jedi Leia scenes that we do get. Rey is also really great in the Rise of Skywalker novel. Her pull to the dark is more elaborated on. I loved her struggle with, do I tell Leia about my vision of being on the Sith throne or not? That was just expanded upon a little bit more. It was better explained. And I don't blame the the Rise of Skywalker movie. That was a very, very fast movie. The novel got a chance to slow down and flesh things out a little bit more. And I've said that multiple times, you know. I don't fault the movie. The Jedi Voices is just as epic in this novel as it was in the movie. And another cool detail is that she defeats Palpatine through defense. She doesn't strike Palpatine down, which is what he really wants. He wants her to give in to hate. To strike her down, so he can pass on to her body. She doesn't do that. She uses his own lightning to defeat him, and it just it goes back to Yoda, in the Empire Strikes Back, a Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. I also love Leia. uh, Not Leia. I also love Ray taking the last name. Skywalker at the very end. And we figure out that that is with Luke's blessing. That's just very beautiful, that she has this adopted mom and dad, basically. The novel is also clear that she didn't intend on staying on, uh, she never intended on staying on Tatooine after she returned the Sabres. Actually, uh, I made a note of the exact quote that the the novel uses. Rey Skywalker headed to the Falcon to return to her family. So I never got the vibe that she was staying on Tatooine, but apparently some people did. I don't know. It seemed very clear to me that she was just there to drop the sabers off and that her and BB-8 would be leaving. But of course, you have have people haters, trying to say, oh, well, she started out alone on a desert planet and she ends alone on a desert planet. No, that, that was never the case. I'm glad that the novel cleared this up for sure. And lastly, her force healing power is further explained. And this gives Ben's death a more detailed explanation. So after the, uh, force healing the creature on Pisana. The novel talks about how her hand hurt after, and not just right after, but later on in the book, her hand is still not back at 100%. So just healing that little, that scratch, that scrape, took a long time for uh, for Ray to recover from. Then, after she heals Kylo on the Death Star ruins, after after she stabs him, we find out that after she gets to Octo, she's just exhausted, and she ends up spending the night there. I don't know. Maybe this was just me, but I had no idea that the scene of Luke lifting the X-wing out of uh, out of the water on Octo happened on a different day. This brings me to Luke. Luke is brilliant in The Rouse of Skywalker, both in the movie and in the novel. Uh, The novel only strengthens his inclusion. As I've said before, his scenes with Leia are really great. Then, of course, him encouraging Rey on Octo is really great, once again. And of course, him lifting the X-Wing. The novel does a great job of adding the, uh, those scenes of him talking to Leia. And uh, the novel does a great job of doing the rest of the scenes that were included in the movie Justice. I also want to point out that The Rise of Skywalker Luke is in no way taking a shot at Luke's grumpy Luke in uh, The Last Jedi. So in The Rise of Skywalker, he tells Rey that he was wrong to go to the island and hide. He encourages her to not make the same mistakes that he did. He tells her, fear kept me here, and that facing fear is the destiny of a Jedi. If you remember, in The Last Jedi, he learns that one last lesson from Yoda, which was about Learning from failure and ultimately confronting that failure or confronting that fear. And then in The Rise of Skywalker, he shows up and he encourages Rey to face her fears as he did. So what we get from Luke in The Rise of Skywalker lines up perfectly with where he left off in The Last Jedi. If you remember, he literally sacrifices himself for the survival of the resistance. He faces Ben. He's done running. He's at peace with everything. This is a changed man. So the same Luke who sacrifices himself at the end of The Last Jedi is the same. Let me uh, let me repeat that. The Luke who sacrifices himself at the end of The Last Jedi for the survival of the Resistance, is the same Luke who shows up in The Rise of Skywalker to to help and encourage Rey. It's a perfect continuation of where The Last Jedi left off, in my opinion, of course. all right, I'll get off my soapbox now. Moving on, the novel does a really great job of expanding on uh, the ragtag fleet that shows up uh, to to help fight the Sith fleet on Exegol. And I was really hoping for this. A quote that that I found in the novel, I'm pretty sure this is in the movie too, but uh, the quote that I wrote down Well, the, the note that, uh, all right, anyway, I will uh, get off my soapbox now. Continuing, the novel also does a great job of expanding on the ragtag fleet that shows up on Exegol to, to help face the Sith fleet. A quote that I, that I copied down from the novel, and I'm pretty sure this is in the movie too, but it's, uh, one of the, it's one of the, the Sith fleet officers, I believe, says this. It's not a navy. It's just people. I love that the uh, the whole galaxy came together to defeat Palpatine. It's not just the resistance that we see on uh, on that jungle planet. No, this is people from everywhere. And uh, the novel brings in some cameos. I know for a fact I heard Hera. I know for a fact that I heard Kaz. And I think, I listened to the audio book, and I'm pretty sure that I heard Yeager after Kaz. But I could be wrong. So don't don't quote me there, but I know for a fact I heard Hera, and oh, I, I lost it when, when I heard Kaz. I really like uh, Star Wars Resistance, I love uh, love all the the main cast there, and that's seeing him seeing Kaz, knowing for a fact that he was there. On uh, on e- in Exegol was just really great. I'm also glad that we got details on exactly how Lando gathered everyone together. So we find out that his uh, his mission is to make a jump, send the message, make a jump to another place, send the message. Make a jump, send another message, really quick, and of course, he uh, he used his <clears throat> he used his call sign. So you get Resistance Hero Lando Calrissian, the same man that blew up the Death Star two, is going around the entire galaxy recruiting people, and I think that's really cool. I also like uh, that the novel connected some to Resistance Reborn. And its explanation on why no one answered on crate. So if you haven't read that book, here's some uh, some yeah, slight spoilers for Resistance Reborn. But in the uh, in Resistance Reborn, of course, uh, we figure out that the First Order has been taking Resistance sympathizers and placing them in camps. I'm glad that, uh, and this was completely ignored in all the movies, of course. But I am glad that that this novel. <clears throat> I'm glad that uh, that this novel acknowledges that fact and acknowledges. You know, maybe it'll, if we call this time, more people should help because they freed a ton of people. And uh, one last little fun detail that I caught there at the end. Of uh, of the novel, we get more context to that great scene on Endor with Wicket, and Wicket gives the credit for the win on Exegol to C three PO. I just think that that's hilarious. A great callback uh, to Return of the Jedi, and a nice, nice little uh, little extra, extra treat, we'll call it from uh, from Ray Carson. There, I laughed out loud at that. Again, uh, this novel does not fix every issue that I have with The Rise of Skywalker, but I do think it improves the movie a lot. And a lot of that is just adding little details here and there. Explaining more about, uh, about Palpatine. Talking more about how the, uh, the Resistance fleet, I don't even, it's hard to call a Resistance fleet the, the ragtag group. That shows up at the end, giving more info on them and how it all happened. Just small details like that can really improve a story, in my mind. So, uh, again, I really loved this novel. If you haven't told, uh, if you haven't figured that out by now, I'm pretty sure I've said that a few times. I've uh, I've read some of the Force Awakens novel. I was reading that. Uh, It was before I started classes back in January. I never did go back and finish it. That novel was okay. I like The Last Jedi novel too, but I really think that out of those three, that this one's probably my favorite one, novel-wise. Anyway, it's a really great book, and I I hope that, uh, that you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Had a lot of fun with it. Well, uh thank you for listening. I know it's been a while since I've uh since I've done some pod, uh, podcasting. I uh, I've gotten gotten busy here lately, but I really wanted to talk about this novel. So, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed uh, enjoyed the podcast episode and uh not sure when I uh, when I'll decide to podcast again. I don't know. I've got some uh Rosa Ren comics coming. So, if I get the time, I don't know, I could uh could talk about those. I've read the first issue, and I've really enjoyed it a lot. I've got the fourth one in there, just uh, sitting there beside the first one, but I can't read it yet because uh, I'm waiting on issues two and three, but those should be here uh, here pretty soon. So yeah, thank you once again. May the Force be with you.